0: This morning, I preach on a verse from that astonishing passage in the book of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Here it is. Here's that moment when the Bible makes one of its most majestic turns. Here, the Lord God moves from the big picture to the fine detail from all the people to this one particular person in whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. Here we move from the history of humanity to the history of Israel, the Lord fashioning for himself in Abram, a great nation, a great name, a blessing. Here we move from barrenness. You'll recall that Sarai was barren. She had no child. We move from barrenness to abundance, from impossibility to reality, not by God washing us away in our hopelessness, blotting us out, starting from scratch, but by electing this particular family, these lifeless ones, through whom the Lord God would overcome our hopelessness. The barrenness of Abram and Sarai becomes, to use Walter Brueggemann's fine phrase, the arena of God's life-giving action. In the words of St. Paul, here, we encounter the God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the stuff of salvation. Here in the land of Haran, here in the crossroads in the desert, right here in the scarcity of our lives, the Lord reaches in to do something astonishingly new. Now, the drama of this moment can easily slip by unnoticed, But ironically, I think the subtlety of this moment is exactly what just makes it so mesmerizing. The story just begins, right? Out of nowhere, the Lord just starts speaking. And he says to Abram, Lech Lecha, which is Hebrew for you go get yourself out of there. The Lord says, Go from your land to the land that I will show you. Go to your kindred, go from your kindred from your father's house to a nation that I will make of you. And just as unassumingly as the Lord starts speaking, so Abram went. No fuss, no hassle. The Lord speaks, Abram goes, the world has changed forever. Easy enough, right? St. Paul didn't think so either. The apostle, too, finds Abram's unassuming trust in the Lord's spoken promise to be utterly shocking. No distrust, he writes to the Romans. No distrust made Abram waver concerning the promise of God. Hoping against hope, that beautiful line. Hoping against hope, Abram trusted that he would become the father of many nations. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. God gave a word. And off Abram went, leaving the rest of us wondering if we could ever go and do the same. Scripture, I think, um, investigates us sometimes. Reading this book, this holy book, we learn of ourselves like looking into a mirror. Reading this book, the Lord searches our wounds so that he might heal them. Would we be so quick to abandon our kindred or to transfer away our land were the Lord to tell us to do so? Probably not, says says Scripture, though by God's grace, maybe so. But I think this passage from Genesis cuts a bit deeper than even this. Scripture investigates us here not simply by interrogating whether we would give up our lives for a God given life, but the more. Whether we would do so or whether we would do anything, only on some words. No sign to convince us, no vision to persuade us, but just a word. Hear that verse again. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Notice the force of that, that future tense at play. That's the biblical equivalent to, I'll tell you where you're going once you've arrived. The Lord says to Abram, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. None of this is complete. None of this is tangible. I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All that Abram has to go off of are some words, just some words. But he goes anyway. The world turns here on a word from the Lord. This, I think, is the great question that Scripture poses to us here. How do we follow our Lord when all he gives us is a word? Now, perhaps some of us worry that we do not hear the Lord speaking to us too often, maybe never. To hear a word from the Lord is the privilege of a rare few, of contemplatives and mystics, those people over there, but not me. But I think the Lord speaks to us far more often than we like to think. His word comes to us in holy scripture, proclaimed in the midst of the gathered faithful, preached by the unworthy preacher, steadily taught by our Sunday school teachers, those quiet doctors of the church, as one of my professors likes to call them. His word comes to us in the sacraments. In baptism, we believe it is the Lord who speaks this day to Charlie, Witt, and Arthur. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, marked as Christ's own forever. Confess the faith of Christ crucified. Proclaim his resurrection. Share with us in his eternal priesthood. The Lord speaks here. And in Eucharist, too. Take, eat, drink this, all of you. Do this for the remembrance of me. These are the words of the Lord to us. God gives us his word through Christian testimony, through the faith stories we hear from others, perhaps in something written by a bishop candidate or two, just maybe, if you've been reading. His word meets us in friend and stranger, in conversations with people we like, with people we really like, with people we don't like, with people we can't stand, Always be ready for the astonishing word of God to reach us through conversations shared with people we can't stand. The Lord constantly speaks to us. God is talkative. God is eloquent. No, God's speaking is not as much the issue here. The issue, I think, is that we tend to long for something more than words, right? So often we want something visible, something tangible, something more certain, Talk is cheap, but a sign. We love a good sign. We love being able to see things, to know with seemingly greater certainty what God has in store for us. We tell ourselves that we would follow the Lord if we could just see what he has in mind. It's easier when God appeals to our our sense of sight, showing us his will. It's easier because we think we know what we're getting ourselves into. It's safer to trust what we can visualize. But I'm afraid that sometimes, many times, a word is all we get. The drama of this story is that Abram trusted, not having seen anything, but having heard the sure and certain spoken promise of God. And our prayer should be that we might be able to go and do likewise. And yet, and yet we need not be discouraged by that daunting task. Because time and time again, Holy Scripture reminds us that the Lord can do a lot with just a word. A word from God might just be all that we need. You'll recall that we have our beginning in mere words. As the psalmist puts it, words we just prayed a moment ago, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. God said, let there be light, and there was light. A few days later, he said, let us make humankind in our image, and it was so. Everything in all creation, everything around us, even our own very bodies, are the fruits of these so-called mere words. Remember that it is by mere words that the Lord teaches Israel how to live and move. Those ten words, those ten commandments, given from his fiery presence upon Sinai, written on tablets of stone. Remember that it is by mere words that the Lord calls Israel back from their waywardness. Thus says the Lord was the prophet's refrain. And how could we forget that stunning passage from St. John's Gospel? In the beginning was the word, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, from whose fullness we have all received grace upon grace. By mere words, he would gather his disciples. Notice this morning's gospel passage. Jesus saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Just words, mere words. It was by mere words that he reassured his disciples in those difficult days thereafter. Remember that Mary Magdalene saw the freshly risen Christ, but did not know it was him. She supposed him to be the gardener. But when Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned, she changed. As we listen to scripture, our story in Genesis becomes less about Abraham doing something miraculous, trusting in God's word, hoping against hope, and more about the Lord yet again doing what he does best, changing us just by talking to us. This is just how God does business. He gives us a word, just a word, and everything begins to turn in a different direction. This is his gift to us. When he speaks, pay attention, because things are going to happen. The Christian task is quite simple, really. Our task is to listen. Simple, yes. Easy, no. Listening demands much of us, not least that we show up time and time again to hear what the Lord has to say to us. This is why we gather here in this cathedral, week after week, year after year, even in these summer months. This is why we study scripture. This is why we share a sacramental life. This is why we fellowship with others and pay attention to our communities. Christians do all of this because we believe in a Lord who speaks. Whose good and sufficient word, fresh each morning, interrupts our lives to do something staggeringly new. From Psalm 33 Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all who dwell in the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to pass, he commanded and it stood fast. For the word of the Lord is right and all his works are sure. Amen.